When Oscar Pistorius murdered his girlfriend, Riva Steenkamp, in 2013, he was one of the most famous athletes in the world. Oscar Pistorius is the Paralympic champion of 2012 in London. A double amputee and an Olympian, he was called the Blade Runner, his trial made global headlines. 14 months after shooting his girlfriend dead, Oscar Pistorius gave a packed courtroom his account of that fateful night. He claimed that in the early hours of Valentine's Day, thinking there was an intruder, he fired his gun. Before I knew it, I'd fired four shots at the door. My ears were ringing, I couldn't hear anything. So I shouted, I kept on shouting for Riva to phone the police. But the facts proved he murdered the 29-year-old Steenkamp. Her death added to South Africa's staggeringly high rates of femicide. The latest statistics, which are from March 2023, uh, show that on average around 12 women are murdered every single day in South Africa. That's Bill Corcoran, and he covered the former athlete's trial in 2014. The texts between Oscar and Riva that were revealed in court painted a picture very different to the public one that everybody knew. The picture was of a, a jealous man who often accused her of flirting with other men, even at this early, early stage of their relationship. He was released from prison in South Africa this month, having served just over half his sentence. Reva's family, who've been left behind, are the ones serving the true life sentence. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, what next for convicted murderer Oscar Pistorius? Riva Steenkamp, she was 29 years of age when she was murdered by Oscar Pistorius on Valentine's night in 2013. Bill, what can you tell us about this young woman? Riva Steenkamp was a country girl at heart. She grew up on a farm surrounded by horses. Her dad, Barry, was a professional horse trainer. Um, at the time of her death, she was a professional model who had appeared in lots of publications uh, she was the first face of Avon Cosmetics in South Africa and had just appeared on a reality TV show called Tropica Island, which is one of those survivor shows for celebrities. Hi, my name is Reva and I'm a contestant on Tropica Island of Treasure 5, which we just shot in Jamaica. We're actually doing the media launch right now. It's kind of nerve wracking because I think a lot of people said a lot of things behind the scenes and we're going to find out in about five minutes. Who really likes who and who doesn't like who? So. Also, she was a very intelligent woman and she had graduated from the university with a law degree. But given her good looks, I think she decided modelling was the best way to take herself forward. Now, many of us will know the story of Oscar Pistorius. I can certainly remember the trial and all that. But for those of us who aren't too familiar, at the time of the trial, Pistorius was world famous. Um, he was an icon in South Africa. His nickname was. Blade Runner. Can you tell me a little bit about his career as an athlete? So Oscar shot to fame in at the tw 2004 Athens Olympics, where uh, after taking up running only a year earlier, he captured a gold medal. He was given the nickname Blade Runner because he used prosthetic fibre legs to race on, which is quite a novel approach at that time. I think it was only first coming into existence. But he shot to international fame when he started to compete against able-bodied athletes. And he, he realized his dream of competing at the highest level against able-bodied athletes when he competed uh, in the sprint race at the 2012 London Games. 
He also went on to win two golds and a silver at the 2012 London Paralympics. So he parlayed his career in sport into a public career, into he became a celebrity in in South Africa. People would have known him. What was his reputation like outside sport? Well, in those early days, he was quite reserved, very polite man. Um, In hindsight, it seems like he was holding his cards close to his chest a little bit. But um, he was he was a hero in South Africa because of what he'd achieved. And um, South Africa is a society that loves its heroes. So he had been cast in that mould and everybody here loved him. And as a couple, I mean, it seems to me that the pair were almost seen as the South African version of Posh and Bex, this incredibly attractive, high profile couple. But... It's easy to forget that they'd only been in a relationship for just four months when Riva was killed by him. So it was really, by any measure, the very early stages of their relationship, wasn't it? It was, it was. Um, apparently, well, we heard in the trial that um, Oscar and Riva were introduced through a mutual friend uh, in early November 2012, who said that they had hit it off nearly immediately. Given that connection, he went on to invite her to the annual SA Sports Awards, which is a big, uh, a big thing in South Africa where they honour their highest achievers in sport. And they were photographed together which, in a famous picture. Um, Riva was wearing this sort of 1920s dress, which had all those tassels on it. He was dressed in black. They looked very much the posh and becks of South Africa. Now, text exchanges uh, between the couple were read out in court during the murder trial. And, you know, you, you, you told us there about this glossy image that they had to the public. But these text exchanges gave an insight into their relationship. What do they reveal? Well, the texts between Oscar and Riva that were revealed in court painted a picture very different to the public one that everybody knew. The picture was of a, a jealous man who often accused her of flirting with other men, even at this early, early stage of their relationship. For instance, in a WhatsApp conversation sent um, on January 27th, Riva wrote to Oscar saying, I'm scared of you sometimes and how you snap at me. She also messaged him saying she felt picked on and attacked by him and she maintained she was very upset by his jealous tantrums. we should say that the trial received extraordinary attention worldwide. I mean, we saw footage of it at the time. Um, It was one of those trials that was kind of in the news every night. Um, So, Bill, let's go back to Valentine's Night 2013 uh, in Cape Town, when Riva Steenkamp was shot four times through a locked bathroom door where she had gone in and she had her phone with her and she died instantly. Oscar Pistorius says that he believed his girlfriend, he woke up, he believed his girlfriend was an intruder on the other side of the door. Can you talk us through his version of events? Okay, so they actually spent the Valentine's night 2013 at Pistorius' home in Pretoria. He lived at the time in a very exclusive closed estate. He had said that it was a very quiet evening at the house prior to going to bed at 10pm. He had been chatting to a cousin and she'd been doing a bit of yoga. They both went to bed at that hour. And then Oscar says he woke up around 3am by the sound of a window sliding, an upstairs window sliding. And he thought there was an intruder entering. He says he immediately grabbed his gun, went to investigate 
uh, what was going on without putting on his prosthetic legs, which is an important point in the case. He did also did not turn to, re- to alert Riva to what was going on, who he believed was in the bed beside him. Pistorius said he approached the bathroom door, feeling scared and vulnerable. Upon hearing something behind the inner toilet door, he shouted at the person to come out and called for Riva to ring the police. He then fired four shots through the bathroom door, only to find that it was Riva behind it. And I sat over Riva and I cried. And um, I don't know, I don't know how long... <coughs> I don't know how long I was there for. <laughs> she wasn't breathing. <laughs> <laughs> In 2014, when he was on trial for the murder, um, what did his defence put forward in court to back up this version of events? So to back up this version of events, uh, they said his firing of the gun was purely reflexive, uh, which meant that he lacked criminal capacity. They said if there was a thought process involved, it was one of self-defence because he believed he was in danger, uh, i.e. that an intruder was coming out of the toilet. They insisted he had no motive to kill Stinkamp. The defence maintained basically that the shooting was an act of primal instinct that was rooted in his anxiety over his disability and that because he had left the bed without his prosthetic legs on, that he was feeling very vulnerable at the time of approaching the bathroom door. When exposed to a threat, Mr Pistorius is more likely to respond with a fight response rather than a flight response as his physical capacity for flight is limited. An anxiety disorder limits that capacity. Is it normal or is it usual for people to have guns in their houses? Yes, in South Africa, it is very normal for people to have guns in their houses. Because there's a huge fear of intruders, of break-ins. Look, South Africa is one of the most dangerous countries in the world. And um, in recent years, it's the murder rate has only been climbing I think, I don't know the exact stats offhand, but uh, I believe they're up around 25,000 murders a year. So the prosecution wasn't having any of it. They painted a very different picture to the one Pistorius put forward. What did they say? Yeah, the prosecutors didn't buy his story at all. They believed uh, Oscar and Riva got into a fight that night and that he killed her in a fit of rage. That's correct. You killed a person, that's what you did, isn't it? I made a mistake. You killed Riva Stiankamp, that's what you did. I made a mistake, my lady. You're repeating it three times. What was your mistake? My mistake is that I took Riva's life, my lady. You killed her, you shot and killed her. Won't you take responsibility for that? I I did, my lady. That's how you did. To support this thesis at the trial, they brought forward neighbours as witnesses who said they'd heard a woman having an argument in the area on St. Valentine's night, uh, another witness, a security guard who was working at the state, said that he had, after hearing reports of gunshots at the ho- athlete's home, he had called Pistorius, who had told him everything was fine. But he then turned to a colleague who was with him and he said that there was something wrong. He said he heard Pistorius was crying while he was trying to talk to him. Then Pistorius actually phoned him back. It could have been by accident and simply sobbed down the line before it went dead. So he turned to his colleague and said, look, there's something very wrong going on here. Now, we talked about the text exchanges earlier. Um, They were also used by the prosecution, obviously, but they showed a controlling, angry man who, you know, wasn't a stranger to throwing a tantrum. No, not at all. Uh, A number of witnesses painted that picture. 
a former girlfriend, actually, that the, the woman I think he was dating before he had been dating Riva, she gave evidence and she portrayed him in court as a man obsessed with firearms who often woke her up at night because he had feared somebody was breaking into his house, which runs contrary to his own, what he did on the night of the crime when he didn't wake Riva up, but he says he didn't wake her up, but went instead to the bathroom door. Taylor's testimony cast Pistorius as a paranoid and aggressive man who frequently argued with her and was extremely attached to his cell phones and his handgun. On one occasion, he is said to have fired a 9mm pistol through a sunroof of a car while driving with her and a friend. He was definitely very verbally abusive to me, uh, very emotionally abusive. He was very controlling. He always wanted to know where I was, who I was with. If he didn't believe me, he would phone my family. He would ask me to send photos of what I'm wearing and the person I'm sitting next to. The trial ran for over five months in 2014. And as is standard in South Africa, there was no jury, only a judge deciding on the case. Pistorius was found not guilty of murder, but guilty of culpable homicide, which is effectively manslaughter. He was sentenced to a maximum of five years in prison, short sentence. But after serving just one year, he was released. Now, the state then appealed this and the culpable homicide conviction was then overturned. And he was found guilty of murder instead. He was given a sentence of six years, which was then extended to 13 years and five months. So we can really see that Pistorius has been in the news a huge amount of times. The case has sort of rumbled on. He just didn't disappear into prison. This sort of rumbled on. Now, as we know, he was released earlier this month after serving just nine years. So, Bill, why is he out now? And you know, nine years. Is there is there not a minimum sentence for convicted murderers in South Africa? Under South African law, all offenders are entitled to be considered for early release under certain conditions once they have served half their sentence. And that's the law here. So I remember at the trial uh, back in, in 2014, Reva Steenkamp wasn't really so much to the fore, but her family really kept her name alive. You know, we know her name. We often don't know the names of women who who died as a result of domestic violence, or if we know them, we only know them transitory. But her family really kept her name alive and fought for her all the way along. And just before his release, Pistorius met Reva Steenkamp's father, Barry in what's called a victim-offender dialogue. What, what is this and, and what was the outcome of that? So in 2022, uh, Barry and Oscar met during a process known as, as you stated, the victim-offender dialogue. And now this is part of South Africa's restorative justice programme that brings parties affected by crime together in a bid to achieve closure. The idea uh, in South Africa anyways is rooted in how its indigenous people dealt with serious crime. A few details were made public about the meeting and Reva's father Barry died last year unfortunately. However it has been reported that Barry did not get the admission of guilt he was looking for from Oscar and that he actually walked out of the meeting when he didn't get that. I didn't get the answer that I wanted Now, only Oscar knows the true story. More after the break.
do we know about how Pistorius got on in prison? We've seen reports this month that prison turned him into, remember he was an athlete, but prison turned him into a sort of a bloated grey smoker. Do we know much about his nine years behind bars? We know a little bit. There have been reports over the years. As regards to how he looks now, I'm not sure. There haven't been any pictures of him since he's been released from prison. So whether he is greyed, bloated and is a smoker, I'm not too sure. During his time behind bars, initially anyway, he was at the centre of a few controversies. He he was said to have got into a, a fight with another prisoner over a prison phone. And then he was also recorded on a phone playing football with the notorious Czechoslovakian mobster who had been sent to prison in South Africa. But the detention service also said that he had worked quite hard during his time in prison and had tried to help out prisoners while he was there, that had become very religious, that he led a Bible group. Also, it's probably good to note that he spent his sentence in two different prisons. His first year was at a notorious prison called the Mampuro Maximum Security Prison. And now that is home to some of South Africa's most dangerous criminals, um, full of murderers, gang members. It's understood that he was quite uh, worried for his security there and that wouldn't actually eat the prison food, but wanted to grow his own food or would only eat food that was brought in for him uh, for fear that he'd be poisoned. But his fame and his, I suppose his disability meant he, he could well be targeted by gangsters. So the authorities decided to move him from Mampura to a, a, so a lower security prison called Atteridgeville. And this is more relaxed. And he would probably have been the only man found guilty of murder in that prison. But he was moved there primarily because of his disabilities. They were said to be more, more suitable for somebody with his disabilities. So now he's free on parole. Um, do we know where he's gone? And what are the conditions of his release? Yes, yes, we do know where he's gone. He has gone to live with an uncle, uh, a guy named Arnold Pretorius, uh, who lives in a very upmarket suburb of Pretoria. The house that he's living in is said to be worth maybe 2.5 million euros, which in South African terms is, is an awful lot of money. He's said to have his own cottage on, on, on the uh, property and that his uncle has hired armed guards to patrol the area so that he's not disturbed. And what was the Steenkamp's reaction to his release? Reva's mother, June, who is the sole parent left, as I said, Barry had died last year. So prior to the parole hearing, she actually said Barry had died of a broken heart. And she also said she's not convinced that Oscar had been re- rehabilitated. However, then she released a statement uh, last Friday on the day that he was released on parole on behalf of her and her, her late husband which said she believed the parole had affirmed their belief in South Africa's justice system. Let me just quote you something here. She said, the conditions imposed by the parole board, which include anger management courses and programmes on gender-based violence, send out a clear message that gender-based violence is taken seriously. However, she said, there can never be justice if your loved one is never coming back and no amount of time served will bring Reva back. We who remain behind are the ones serving a life sentence. So the case is in the news again following Pistorius' release. It brings attention to South Africa's femicide problem. A local women's rights organisation, Women for Change, said, we believe that granting parole to someone convicted of killing another person sends a concerning message about accountability and justice in our country. Can you give us an idea of the scale 
of the problem, the violence against women problem in South Africa? Yeah, I sure can. So the latest statistics, which are police statistics, which are from March 2023, uh, show that on average around 12 women are murdered every single day in South Africa. More than 42,000 rapes were recorded in the year to March 2023. And that's only the rapes that were reported, obviously. So the problem is massive. And it's been a real thorn in the side of South African society for decades. Why is South Africa such a, have such a problem with femicide and gender-based violence? Researchers have shown that it's a very patriarchal society. Apartheid has played its role, even though it's gone 30 years. It destroyed family structures. Fathers were not around to bring up their sons, not around to teach them how they should treat people. Uh, the poverty, when that played into it, left young, vulnerable men in drastically impoverished situations. No mentors to show them how to act in a positive way. And this has led to a situation where it seems for many South African men, their women are second class citizens and can be treated as such. Bill, you, you paint a really shocking picture. How is it being tackled? Look, there are numerous programs going on, education. They have like November is a month where they try to tackle gender-based violence and they highlight it in the media. But the underlying factors that are leading into it aren't being dealt with. South Africa is a society currently in decline. Poverty is rising. Violence is rising. It's like a tsunami coming at you and it's, it, it's not being tackled in an effective manner. Now, Reva, when she died, she was 29. As you say, she had a law degree, but she had taken a little bit of time out when she was scouted as a model and she had this media career, but she was going to go back to law. She had said that she wanted to use her law degree to help victims of domestic abuse and she wanted to open a law firm specifically for women seeking help, which is so tragic given what ultimately happened to her. Was that something very close to her heart? Was that very well known? Yeah, it seems to have been. Look, the people who knew her, who came out after the tragedy, have described her as compassionate, kind-hearted, that she had a strong social justice streak running through her, uh, that she wanted to support young women, that she was advocating against gender-based violence. She was using social media to do so. She was going to schools, talking to children to impart her wisdom. She was certainly setting herself up for a life greater than, with no respect to modelling, greater than being a a model. Uh, So the irony that she has, her life has been cut short and she won't get to do her, the work that she really seems wanted to do is fairly heavy. It's, It's a very sad state of affairs, even nearly 10 years on after she's died. So Oscar now, he's living on a compound, essentially. He, he's living in his uncle's property. He's a relatively young man. Uh, the conditions of his parole is that he can't give interviews. Presumably he can work. I don't know. What is the speculation about what's going to happen to him in the, in the near future? So his sentence only expires in 2029. So that gives him five years under parole. So he will probably take up some level of work. 
Some of the rumours going around are that he has sought to work in the local church, uh, helping out there, sweeping the car park, maybe ushering in people in and out when the services are are, are going on. Uh, He could also be brought back into the prison to work there as part of his parole. So, but at at this point, since he's been released, there's been very little information forthcoming about what his future holds for him. Bill, thanks very much. You're welcome. That's it for today. For comprehensive foreign coverage, including Bill Corcoran's reports from South Africa, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>